As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show, Oscars mashup edition. Watford win best promotion picture, Millwall claim best costume design for that away kit, Rooney bags best animated short, and Joey Barton is the standout nominee in the least supportive boss category. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Yes, the finish line is in sight in the EFL. We'll tell you all the whys and wherefores after the weekend's results on today's pod. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined as ever by Sam Parkin. Hello Matt, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Adrian Clark's also with us, hi Clarky. Hello. Uh, And it's a big welcome back to one of our favourite guests of last season, Wickham Wanderers left-back and corner curator, Joe Jacobson. Hi, Joe. Hi, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? How's the mood after Saturday? Uh, It's good. You know, it's always uh, disappointing to lose and and when it kind of means a lot to the club, the situation we're in. Um, It's difficult to take, but when you've got the gaffer like we have who kind of comes in and is as upbeat as ever after that game, then it's difficult not to kind of look and be excited for the future. You mentioned the gaffer. You're joining us live from his office. You're actually sat in his chair. Are you with us today because this is the first tentative steps towards a media career when you hang up your boots or are you actually just going to take the manager's job? (laughs) I think he's got a job here for life, so that one's out of the question. Um, I just got put in. This is the first time I've been in here and it's not been for a telling off, so I'm just happy (laughs) that I can uh, relax in here a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can see Clarky and Sam kind of shuddering at, at memories past of when they've been hauled into the uh, into the manager's office. Um, rather than a, a performance of the week, we thought today we'd have Joe talk us through his top three championship players of the season. Uh, who's your first pick, Joe? Buendia at Norwich. Um, I think stats show what he's done. He's been the team who have scored most goals, created the most goals. And um, I think he's been a huge driving force for them to to win the league. For me, they've been the best team that I've personally played against and um, they should, should go on and win the league. So for me, he's he's been the best player. Uh, how about number two? Ivan Tony, I think he, he's got a hat-trick against us in January time. I think he's on to get the, the record for goals in the EF, in the championship, sorry, for a season. And I think he's just grown strength for strength. And from playing against him last season as well, him scoring a load of goals, it's no surprise what he's done. And and I think he'll go and do that in the Premier League as well, whether that's with Brentford or if he gets a move there in the summer. So Buendia, Tony, who's your final pick? Saar at Watford. 
you know, I've played against a few wingers this season who have who have been quick and, and direct, but for me, he had the quality to go with it as well. And um, he caused us a lot of problems, especially away from home. At home, I thought we, we dealt with him okay, but away from home, um, he he was awesome and, and direct and quick. And um, like I said, he's, I think the second half of the season, he's really kind of stood out for Watford and, and you know, I think he's their top goal scorer. I think he's been involved in a lot of the good stuff they've done. And it's no surprise that he, he'll he be back in the Premier League. I'm surprised he was even in the Championship to have this season as it was, but um, he's back where he definitely belongs. Sam, before we switch the mics on, you, you said you were pretty sure on two of the three. Did, did that match with uh, with what you had in mind? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be my three. Um <laughs> Joe would um, probably have a, an opinion on the other two that I'd just uh, scribbled down just as he was going through his three. Uh, Dan Juma at Bournemouth probably on ability uh, and maybe a little bit of one, little curveball, Ajaria at Reading, I think potentially um, could be a, yeah, could be a, a very good Premier League player in time. So they, there are a couple of others off the top of my head, but no, those three far and away, I would say uh, uh, the best in the, the second tier. Clark, if you had to pick a, a championship player of the season now, who would it be? Brindia. Yeah, I think Emmy Brindia is, is the best player in the league. He's absolute class. Um, scores goals, makes goals. He's a really good defender as well. I don't think people give him enough credit for the way that he wins the ball back. Just, just a good team man. And considering they were worried about losing him not that long ago, early, earlier on in the campaign, would he kick off if he didn't get his move? I think he's knuckled down and, and been sensational. But no, that, that, those choices from Joe are, are excellent. I would just chuck in two more Norwich players to the mix. Tamu Puki couldn't have done much more this season. For me, he's the smartest player in the championship. Unbelievable football brain. Uh, and Oliver Skip, I don't think anyone's done that job in the heart of midfield better than he has this season. Yep, good shouts. We'll talk more championships shortly. Uh, this coming weekend, though, we'll see a social media blackout across English footballers, clubs, associations, players and journalists boycott the various online platforms in response to the continued abuse without reprisal that occurs on them. Uh, Joe, is this is this something you're going to be taking part of? Is it something that, that you and others at the club have been talking about this weekend? Yeah, we got um, we got something through into the WhatsApp group for the for the club yesterday, just explaining it and what's going to happen and um, we actually said we'll have a team meeting about it we haven't been in today we've been off but um, tomorrow I'm sure we'll have a, a meeting discuss it um, I'm sure there's people who've have got their opinion both ways but for me I'm, I'm happy to get involved in it I think it's something that kind of needs to be done I think you know it might people might see it as a small step and, and pretty insignificant but I think there has to be a start somewhere and um, if we can kind of gather momentum through that and through these type of things happening more often then I think there'll be a way forward of change then. Clarkie you've got by far the most followers out of all of us is, is this something you're you're going to be involved in and do you think that for, for for people like you I and Sam on our side of the game will it make much difference if we are? Look, it's not going to make that much difference for for a weekend. Um, I'm, I'm happy to step aside. <laughs> the issue I've got is that I take part in a live show for, for Arsenal on a match day that 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 asks fans to send in their 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 views on the game. So I don't know. You probably don't do. want I, that though at the moment, do you? Is it, is it not a nice excuse and not be able to have them do oh, that this weekend? Abs- absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made sure they didn't tag me in the, in the last game because because <laughs> uh, the abuse was quite brutal. But there you go. No, look, I'll, t- I'll take my leave from the club. But no, I, I think I, I echo what Joe says. 
it's it probably won't make a huge difference now, but isn't it impressive that all the clubs across the men's and women's games and the, and the managers' union and every, basically everybody in football has joined forces and agreed to do this at the same time? I think that that speaks volumes for for the need for these social media companies to to show more responsibility. Sam, I think we should do it. I'm sure you will be doing it as well because it's a cause that, that we have all spoken about and kind of believe in. But also you don't want to be the one person not doing it, tweeting about, away about what's happened at Rochdale when, when nobody else is. No, no, there was something previously, wasn't there? Maybe just a 24-hour period or something where people were tweeting a, a picture, I think it was, on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and such like. And I didn't, on that occasion, I didn't tweet during that period I don't tweet too often anyway. So no, I'd be more than happy to do it. Completely agree with the guys. It's just a starting uh, point, isn't it? But even working in the media, you know, I was on with Michelle on Saturday and obviously we had Faye on last week who spoke about it. It's not just the the, the players that are getting abused regularly. It's uh, people in our domain as well now since we've retired and um, yourself, mate, in broadcasting. So um, it's not going to go away. But, um, you know, until the social media companies make the culprits more accountable and the punishments are more stringent, it's going to continue to happen. So hopefully this will force their hand. Yeah, we'll see if it makes any difference. Okay, it's high time that we championship. Championship headlines. Watford have been promoted back to the Premier League at the first time of asking. The playoff places are all wrapped up too. Brentford, Barnsley, Bournemouth and Swansea will do battle for the last place in the Prem. At the bottom of the table, Birmingham and Forest are safe. Rotherham and Wednesday still up against it, but Derby doing all they can to help them out. And Wickham aren't down yet, though it will take a Herculean goal sprint, plus a couple of wins to secure the greatest of escapes. I will start with the good times. Watford won. Millwall nil. Watford becoming the second team to confirm an immediate return to the top flight after they beat Millwall on Saturday. TFLS family member and Watford fan Kelly Summers always believed. Here's her take on the Orns. And breathe. Uh, relief is the overriding emotion, guys, but obviously I'm ecstatic over the moon. Keep waking up. Sunday morning, Monday morning. Is this real? It's real. As you know, I'm the eternal pessimist. Yes, I thought Cisco Munoz um, maybe was found out very early into his tenure. Fair play, changed the formation, changed the personnel, got it completely spot on. And he just seems a really nice bloke, doesn't he? So really pleased that he's done it for us as well. I'm really pleased for everyone at the club. Scott Duxbury came out after the game on Saturday and said there were some really sticky times at the club, but they stuck by the staff. They didn't cut the staff. They stuck by some of our best players. It would have been easy to sell Ishmael Assar, but we've had the beauty, the luck of seeing him in the championship and he's been key. How apt, of course, that he scored the penalty. So guys, I'm disappointed we won't be able to talk about Watford on the pod too much next season, but I'm sure I'll find a way of getting it in. It's time for us to part ways, um, but I'll be back on next week to gloat a little bit more. Don't worry. <laughs> Kelly Summers of Watford supporting fame there. Um, Joe, in a lot of ways, they're kind of the antithesis of Wickham. You know, they go through managers like like the weather changes and obviously there was two divisions difference between you between you last season was that lingering bit of Premier League class still evident when you came up against them um we played them quite early on in the season and they had a bit of um a change of personnel I think a lot of the big guns weren't kind of playing or firing whether or not they were they were happy to still be at the club in the championship but when we played them again um probably about eight weeks ago um, you could tell they were completely different. The the quality they had, the the confidence they had, they 
you know, they put on a performance that was as good as anyone that played against us this season. So for me, they they definitely deserve to be where they are. Um, they're a huge club. Um, and look, they managed to keep a lot of their, their best players from last season in the Premier League. So if you're going to do that, then it's a great start to kind of kick on your championship season and get promoted that way. Sam, we weren't convinced by Zisco Munoz when he came in and, and we've been eating our words since then. Interesting to hear Tom Cleverly so effusive in his praise of the the manager after the game and, and that, that change of formation that he made when things weren't going so well to the to the four three three. That that's really been pivotal for them. Yeah, I, I was at the the uh, penultimate game when they were playing a different shape against QPR at home and um Obviously, they went to Coventry in the next game and, and didn't perform at all. And that was kind of the moment when not only he changed the, the shape, but some of the players we probably anticipated being big players for them this season, Andre Gray and Troy Deeney, have, have not really featured from, from that moment on. So I think it was a combination of working out which players were really motivated for the second tier, in form, of course, but also what fitted in terms of the, the shape. So... Yeah, you, you can talk about every position on the pitch probably where there's been improvement. Centre-halves have been great, both the full-backs. Again, Joe will be perfect for this because I think their right side is phenomenal. Um, Feminier and, and Saar. And obviously at the weekend, I'm watching it and so I've seen this game time and time again this season. The early part, people are, I wouldn't say not doing their homework, but not getting it right defensively, tactically, whatever it is against that right side. And Saar winning a penalty and, and sticking away a goal, which normally means at Vicarage Road, there's no way back because they're so good defensively. So, yeah, across the pitch and the front three have been exceptional. So um, whatever happened in that week or whatever on the training ground, um, got his spot on and uh, deservedly go up in second because they've been really consistent from that moment on. Yeah, phenomenal at home as well. Five more wins on home turf and even Norwich have managed this season. Clarkie, do you think Troy Deeney will be in the Premier League next year? He's, he's been peripheral for a lot of this campaign. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think they've, they, they might they might move on from Troy Deeney. It's amazing really, isn't it? Deeney was always the talisman. Ben Foster was always the star man in goal. It was all about Ducure and his power in midfield. And, and they've, they've got promoted effectively without those those three players. So so no, I don't, I don't think Troy will... Will play in the Premier League personally. Be interesting to see see what he does. Obviously, there's a career in in the media waiting for him. He might he might take that opportunity. I don't know, but but look, they'll, they'll need to strengthen, no doubt about that. And and I think when you look at Watford, apart from Saar and Will Hughes, I don't think you'd get maybe the exception of Feminia. Not many would get into the team of the year, but I think as a collective. It's worked this season. They've been incredibly, incredibly solid. So yeah, well done to everyone at Watford. Um, and like like you like you started the discussion with, really important. They kept most of the of the best players, and and, and that was really important. Well, that win for Watford meant their only playoff places up for grabs for the chasing pack. Two teams who will be in the end of season shakeup met on the sunny south coast. It was Brentford who bested Bournemouth, courtesy of sub Brian and Buemo's winner. That after Pontus Janssen had been dismissed. Sam, was this the the shock result of the weekend? Bournemouth have won seven in a row, or actually, is it is it one of those end of season fixtures not going to matter that much unless I guess it's a, a dress rehearsal for the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think it's probably going to matter too much in terms of where they end up. Um, I think it's dangerous to start 
thinking about who you might meet in the playoffs right now. It's just about probably keeping the players in good form, good spirit, keeping fit, keeping the front players firing, that type of thing. So no, Brentford are a very good side. And I think since they've changed their their shape, um, defensively, they look, looked a lot better as well. I think they've just conceded one in the last four games um, in kind of the 3-4-1-2 that they're playing. But I thought the... The telling moment was obviously them going down to 10 men and uh, Thomas Frank keeping two up the pitch. I thought they got their set up spot on and created a number of chances um, to win the game. So it didn't flatter them. Thoroughly deserved to to win the match. And Ivan Tony was outstanding again. Didn't score, but most touches on the pitch, which for wow. a striker, I haven't been a striker myself and gone through games, touched it three times in each half. At best, that is some going. Like normally the centre halves, right, Clarky? You're you, yeah. you trawl through the same websites as me. Um, well, <laughs> um, yeah, they do. It's I mean, centre halves, so- isn't it? Like 30, 40 more touches in each half, right? Absolutely, or or, or deep lying midfield playmakers. Centre forwards are normally among the lowest, aren't they, in terms of touches? Yeah. And when you consider, like you say, went down to ten men, that's amazing, really. But it just shows you how well he looks after the ball and also the responsibility he's taking because what, what he's doing, he's showing for the ball all the time. He's giving the team an outlet, isn't he? So um yeah, excellent from him. Even on the the winning goal, if you if you watch it back, so many of the Bournemouth players are static. And I think Ivan Tony has about three goes at it. He he has the shot and then there's a little give and go again. And he's always on the move. He's always anticipating. And, you know, that's what makes him what he's become this season, actually. He's the talisman, uh, not only the goals, but he's just everything about his game is is leading to a really good career in the Premier League. Yeah, you think he'd be in the top flight one way or another next season. Um, Joe, we often talk about momentum going into, into playoff campaigns. Does it matter? I'm, I'm just thinking back to, to this time last year or not far from it. Anyway, you, you went from not playing from February up until the playoffs started in July. It didn't seem to matter that much. He didn't have much momentum going into that. No, I think, well, everyone was kind of in the same boat with with that situation. But um, going back to whether or not it matters, I think you want to kind of, Bournemouth have been on this great run. I think you kind of want to keep that going as much as you can. Um, The times in my career where I've done well in the playoffs, I think we've always kind of took good league form into those those couple of games and and the one time I remember where it went horribly wrong was the last game of the season we were already in the playoffs and we changed 10 players and and rested and we couldn't we lost that game couldn't quite get the momentum right for the for the playoff game so I think it's a great boost for Brentford to to go into the playoffs now thinking they know that they can they can beat one of the big teams going down to 10 men as well so I think that if they do meet that could play on their minds when they come to that that game and and Thomas Frank will have one up already in the bank against against Jonathan Woodgate. Mm. Uh, on Sunday Swansea booked their playoff place for the second season running like last term they confirmed it at the Madstad this after uh, a Desmond against Reading who now can't make the post-season showdown Clarkie we speculated a couple of weeks ago whether Swansea were going to do a forest they, they've steadied the ship after those four defeats in a row I just wonder if they if they do end up going up is there a danger they might be doing so slightly undercooked might, might manager and squad benefit from another season at this level oh. No, they came close last year, didn't they? And they've improved, I think, just about. And you've got to take the opportunity to go up. I mean, this this might be their ceiling. They might regress if they stay in the championship. There's no guarantee that you can go can, can go again. 
I think for the manager and for this group of players, they they maybe need to get that achievement together. Um, look, I'm pleased for them. I think they've had a great season. Really, really good. Um, obviously, they had a, a, a shocking wobble of late, but IU and Jamal Lowe have, have come back into form. Obviously, IU wasn't supposed to play at the weekend. He's been out with an injury and it was it was a surprise to see him on the bench. And then he comes on and he's brilliant. I mean, it was an unbelievable um, drag back, wasn't it? A little drag back nutmeg um, in the build up to that to that equaliser and and then he and then he scored to the in the build up to that first goal and then he scores scores the equaliser so so yeah he's he's an absolute talisman and I think he could he could be really good actually in in the Premier League if Swansea were to go up so so no it's been it's been a cracking season they absolutely deserve it but but the hard work starts now I, I had a look talking about who you might want to avoid they failed to beat Bournemouth and Brentford home and away Swansea but did the double over Barnsley. So you wonder, will Stu Cooper try and manufacture uh, a semi-final against them? We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, as for Reading, just fell short. I think Poundovic has, has done a great job this season. Got some got some really gorgeous players to watch. Just just didn't have enough depth, I think, um, to, to see, the, see the playoff push out. Yeah, definitely reasons to be optimistic for them next season, I think. Uh, so that's the promotion picture as is. But what's going on at the bottom, ask championship fans and gastroenterologists alike. Well, Pride Park is the place to start our quest for knowledge. Derby went 1-0 up against Birmingham. Colin Kazim Richards, one of the few bright spots in their murky season scoring from close range. But some laughable, at least at Davis Adams Towers, defending from the Rams allowed Birmingham and specifically Lukas Jukovic to score twice to earn the win that secured their championship status for another season. Um, Sam, whether Derby stay up or not, Wayne Rooney's not going to be in charge next season, is he? Oh, I don't know. He's, I think he's got a contract for next year, so... I wouldn't be completely surprised if he if he stayed in, but yeah, it's pretty desperate, isn't it? I mean, that was really bad at the weekend. It was a dreadful game. Limp going forward, Tom Lawrence, the only bright spark, but even he couldn't really affect it. So I was more focused on Birmingham and, and what Lee Bowyer did. He's been matching teams up. I think Harley Dean spoke about this last week um, and they did that in the first half, but then Lee Bowyer went back to his tried and tested diamond in the in the second half, got all his technical players on the pitch played through Derby a lot more, which seems strange considering the goals were old Jukovic at the far post, like we've seen so many times. But I just thought uh, a really good bit of management uh, from Lee Bowyer and answers the question that Clarkie posed last week. Who's got the best diamond in the Football League? Well, I think Nathan <laughs> Jones has got the best one, but Lee Bowyer is probably number two in that department. So what a job he's done because we were all scratching our heads, maybe, you know, about him moving to Birmingham considering the state they were in. As a club, you know, maybe not the the uh, the the tools he's got in the dressing room, but phenomenal because not only just the hard work and the organisation, but showing real quality at the weekend as well. Yeah, no, he's been brilliant, and you wondered did he outmanage Wayne Rooney at the weekend? Obviously, made that change. He saw the picture of the match a little bit more clearly, maybe than Wayne Rooney. And I know that a lot of Derby fans were were frustrated that he didn't recognise what had happened. And that the midfield was getting outnumbered and 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 didn't, basically didn't react. It's not why they lost the game. They lost the game because, well, I don't don't like to single individuals out, but George Edmondson had a torrid, um, <laughs> absolute torrid. Miss, misses the header from the long throw, and then and then the second goal, he jumps, you know, 
don't know if it was too early or too late, but he was <laughs> he, he got nowhere near the ball and, and it fell to Jukovic. So so he's had a nightmare um, there. But yeah, I just think Rooney Rooney was, was outcoached basically on, on the day by, by Lee Bowie. And look, it's not a surprise because Lee Bowie has been at it for a little bit longer. And, and one thing we've learned about Bowie is that he knows his tactical stuff. He's, he, he's a smart guy. Joe, when you got back in the in the change room at the Cardiff City Stadium at, at full time on Saturday, you must have been heartened to to see the score from Pride Park. I guess it keeps you just about alive. Yeah, well, we kind of knew on the pitch uh, there were shouts coming on about just needing one goal, and you know, as as the game was was come to end, our goalkeepers going up for set pieces. Um, I know we we managed to do that in midweek and get the winner. And it just wasn't wasn't quite meant to be, and you know you come in and and sometimes you're you're happy with other teams' results, and sometimes you come in thinking it's kind of a chance missed, and um, you know obviously you can look back throughout the season and look at little moments and and last minute goals and things like that, but I think for us in the last four or five games we've we've dropped five points from winning positions, and look it's it's been a, a huge learning curve for us, and the gaffer talks about keep learning and keep learning, and the start we had of the season probably didn't didn't do us any favours with not picking up a point for the first six or seven games. And um, I think over the last six weeks, our form's been been pretty good and I think we've been mid-table on that. So it's just taken us a bit longer to kind of get to where we wanted to be. But, um, you know, I'm sure the club will be back at the Championship at, in, at some point in the near future. I think we've got two new owners who are really ambitious and want to take the club forward. They want to, you know, redo the training ground. They want to get the infrastructure right at the club. So um, as long as we can try and keep hold of the gaffer and, and a few of the great young players that we've got at the club at the minute, then, um, you know, we're looking forward to an exciting future. Uh, yeah, and good to see Rooney's learned off uh, Jose Mourinho of how to throw players under the bus in the post-match interview too. Um, Joe, here's a question for you that's come into us via Twitter. It's from Tom. He asks, has Joe ever scored straight from an outswinging corner in training? Came close to one wind assisted at Pompey, I seem to remember. Um, uh, I'm not sure. We uh, Sometimes we, we have a little mess around after training and and try little things like that. I remember Soccer AM did a f- thing a few years ago, the two-footed corner challenge. Well, I, you probably know I try not to use my right foot quite quite often. So I was trying to do both sides of my left foot and I'm, I'm pretty sure I managed to do it. Like I said, with a little bit of wind, I'm sure it's possible. But um, yeah, it's not sure that um, something I'll be able to try in a game. Um, the boys would, yeah, they'd go mad if I tried <laughs> and it went off the pitch and the big guys come up from a corner. They always scream at me when I try that anyway. So, um, yeah, probably will never try it in a game. Do, do you not do you not try and score then sometimes from a corner? Like in terms of, right, there's a bit of wind here. I'm going to whip this in and if it, so that it just in case it misses everybody, it could go straight in. I just... I think sometimes they're the best corners when you're a little when you when you take it bravely at pace, even if it's close to the keeper. Yeah, I get told to shoot quite often by the coaching staff. Um, sometimes they'll they'll look at our position and, and see weaknesses. Uh, if we can get players under the bar, and fortunately, the ones that have gone in is is from a little bit of a melee in front of the keeper, and the keeper not quite reacting well enough to it. So it's something that we definitely work on, and. Yeah, I've been fortunate to to score a couple. This season, I've had a few that have been disallowed as well for tiny little um, finger pulls or something that the linesmen have seen. But um, yeah, like I said, it's it's something that we'll probably continue to do in the future. Not every game, but when there's an opportunity, then like, I'm taking them. I'm, I'm delighted to be able to <laughs> be offered a shot at goal. Um, some of the other boys, not so much, but that's, that's just the way it is. 
Good stuff. Uh, now then, Clarky, you were at Oakwell on Saturday to see Barnsley beat Rotherham by a goal to nil. Two quick key questions on this. One, is this the kind of thing that happens to a team that's about to get relegated, goal that probably shouldn't have stood, missed a load of chances? And two, are Barnsley still giving out those little carrier bags with sweeps for the press before the game? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, they do. Yeah, little goodie bag. I, was, uh, I hadn't heard about it. Um, but yeah, I, I devoured the contents of the goodie bag on, on the way home. It was fantastic. Loved it. I actually, talking about in-game messages, I told the Rotherham subs that Derby were losing because I think they heard a noise and then, yeah, I wasn't really doing anything. So I just leaned over and told them and then they got the message across. I mean, it didn't help them. Um, <laughs> it gave them a bit more incentive maybe to, to, to try and get that goal. Honestly, this was a shocking game. This was so bad. I think I think five passes is the most Barnsley might have put together in the entire match. It was it was that bad. They were awful. Didn't have a shot on target after the second minute. Um, Rotherham went, they boomed it over the sort of lumbering centre-halves, the two wide centre-halves, Solbauer in particular, a bit slow. So they, they knocked it over their heads for Ladapo and Co to run onto. And they caused them all sorts of problems, but a couple of really bad misses. And yeah, it just wasn't wasn't their day. And uh, but the decision, decision was a joke, wasn't it? I mean, t- Sam texted me during the game. I think you said that that's disallowed in the 1930s. You're right. <laughs> it's disallowed. Like in an era where the, you could pretty much punch the keeper and they don't disallow it, it would still have been disallowed. It was that. It was that much of an assault. So um, yeah, they were raging, absolutely raging that the referee wouldn't let it go. Um, but but look. That they live to fight another day, Rotherham. And and based on what I saw in this game against the Brentford team that's already in the playoffs, I wouldn't write them off of getting getting something from that game. Well, a question for Clarky and, and Joe, because I can complete agreement. I watched Barnsley and with the high line, and I think, how are they not getting more exploited? Because they haven't got a centre half with loads of pace. So why is that not happening more often? How are they continuing to win? I, th- I think the pressure from the front has been so good that the quality... They avoid the balls. Yeah. The, the, so mm. the, the forwards are pressing so well that, that teams are rushing their passes, aren't they, into the forwards. And I think that's... And so the quality's missing. But in this game, I mean, you had DK, you had Woodrow and Morris, probably the three main goal scorers in the, in the club. But they didn't... I've heard about this, you know, I've watched it on the TV about how energetic they are. They were knackered. They didn't barely, you know, close anyone down. And and that's Rotherham had time to pick out quality. I th- I think that's, that's why in this game. But you, you bang on about about those centre backs, and I think that the teams in the playoffs might might look to to turn them as much as they can. Joe, have you found that as a unique experience as everyone has been saying playing against Barnsley this year? Have you come up against anything like that before? No, no. Um, and their goalie as well has such a high line that. Um, you know, he's always on the case to, to come out. And we spoke about that a lot when we played them recently, um, about turning them, you know, keep doing it. And eventually, maybe the goalie made a mistake. Against us, they they did it really well. But but like you said then, the forward players press so well normally um, and don't let you give, get that quality on the ball. Um, and I think probably the way that Rotherham play, that they don't need that much time to put the balls back over the top. They don't want to settle it and make a few passes. They want to go direct as well. So it probably suited Rotherham to just you know, play that that way, and and obviously the goal was was really disappointing from Rotherham's point of view, and Paul Warren was, you know, 
gutted after the game and, and, and rightly so. But the way that Barnsley press, Al, Al Gaff has actually spoken about how he wants us to kind of do similar to, to how they do it. And you watch Barnsley when, you know, they've got thrown on the halfway line. No one drops off for the ball. They all just squeeze up with the line, playing the opposition's half. And, and who can, you know, say they've done it wrong? They, they've punched massively above their weight this season. And, and, you know, the run they've gone on since probably November, December time has been incredible. So fair play to them for, for being in that position. And, you know, for some of the, the teams who like to play out from the back and, and pass around in the playoffs, I don't think they really want to be playing against Barnsley and, and having that pressure put on them. So Barnsley in the playoff places. They're sewn up the relegation picture, anything but. Derby in 21st position, 43 points from 44. And the bottom three, Rotherham, 39 from 42. Sheffield, 39 from 44. And Wickham, 37 from 44. And remember, it's Derby v Sheffield Wednesday on the last day of the season. Okay, let's get some odds from Paddy Power. Then we'll have a look at the promotion and relegation pictures as far as the championship is concerned. Going down the bottom. So Sheffield Wednesday are 1-16 to to get relegated. Rotherham, though, are the favourites out of them. And Derby, they are 1-3 to with Derby 6-4, to I'm afraid, Matt. Still longer than Forest, who are safe. What about uh, promotion? We know who the top two are. We know who the playoff pack are. Who's, who's favourite out of the four who are going to contest those end-of-season games? What do you reckon? Oh, crikey Moses. I would say it is probably based on the last couple of seasons, Brentford just ahead of Bournemouth. Yeah, it's like you're looking at the website. It is Brentford. They are 6-4 to four with Bournemouth 21-10. to 10. The second favourites to win the playoffs, Barnsley 10-3 and Swansea way back down 9-2. to two. Uh, If you are interested in who's going to win the whole championship, well, it is probably Norwich as they are 1-80, to 80, Watford 20-1. to one. <laughs> Okay, next up, League One. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the question sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acre lets you down. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League One headlines. Hull are up. Bristol Rovers and Swindon are down. Four points separate fifth and ninth. And Burton are safe. It's only two months since they look down and out. We'll start then with Hull City. Back in the Championship after just a season away, the Tigers confirmed promotion from League One courtesy of a 2-1 win at Lincoln. Um, Sam, it was only a couple of weeks ago you were saying that people weren't giving them the proper respect. Uh, Now we've got to because they've made light work of getting back into the, the second tier. I said it again on Saturday night. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've got some infatuation <laughs> with this. Um, do, do you know what? I was guilty of it, I reckon, before I saw them live. So I'm a complete um, hypocrite because um, I saw them at AFC Wimbledon and it wasn't until then that I thought, oh, they're really organised. They're really hard to make chances again against. And then obviously I've got some brilliant front players who have just gathered momentum as the season's gone on, I think. And now that the front three kind of picks itself, uh, I think McGinnis has got 17 now, which I wouldn't have had him down for start of the season. Lewis Potter's had a bit of a break for a year and um, Malik Wilkes has found a, found a home really after kind of flattering to deceive, I would say, in the last couple of seasons, always 
shown great ability, but just glimpses. So a complete package, really. Uh, again, like so organised when they're attacking, you know, they never get counter-attacked on. I think that was evident again at the weekend. They were much better than Lincoln in the first half, um, went away from it again in the second. But organisation, brilliant, you know, most points, most goals, least goals conceded, the best team. And I know we're speaking about celebrations later, but George Honeyman has done an exceptional Freddie Mercury for any of you that hasn't seen it. So he's gone right up in my estimation because he'd probably be in the top, well, he'd probably be in the top 10 players, top five players in the in the division this year, I would say. He's had a great campaign. Yeah, it's a, it's a rival for that famous Liam Lawrence Vanilla Rice clip from the um, Sunderland days a few years back. That um, Joe, yes. like like with um, with Daniel Farker in the Championship, you, you see the benefit with of sticking with the manager who you got relegated with. It doesn't always work. I'm sure Wickham are looking to to do the same if you do go down with Gareth Ainsworth. But that that continuity, as long as there's not too much of a hangover, can, can actually be a real benefit, can't it? When you when you drop down a division. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially the lower down you go, a new manager comes in, wants to change a lot of players. You know, you can have 10, 12 come in and out and, and it's difficult to kind of get that continuity going again. Um, we've seen it with uh, Paul Warren as well at Rotherham, who's who's done a great job and, and came back down and, and went straight back up again. So for me, I think, you know, it's it's too easy nowadays to to get rid of a manager and and not necessarily get someone in who's who's going to do the right job with the right players you've got you you want to um kind of get a a squad together that the manager wants and if you keep changing your your managers then you know it's you'll never get that there's going to be players that are brought in that, that aren't for you so you know it shows now with Grant McCann Grant McCann what a, a great job he's done and, and like Sam just said then they've been probably the best best team um in all aspects this season in league one i know peterborough score a lot of goals but um seem to concede a lot as well but with with hull i think they've been they've been incredible and again they've they've got kind of like a young hungry squad there who who want to go and achieve it's a big club and we all know there's there's big clubs in league one who have found it difficult to go straight back up so for them to do it at first attempt is is a great achievement for them and Athletic subscribers can read all about Hull's celebrations. If you're not a subscriber, head to theathletic.com slash league show to get yourself a deal of £3.99 a month for the first six months. Peterborough's surprise midweek defeated Gillingham and they couldn't secure promotion with a win at Charlton. However, their victory at the Valley means they're almost there. Five points clear of third place with a superior goal difference. Johnson, Clark, Harris with the winner on to 29 goals for the season. Clark, did, did they deserve the three points here? It was a tough game. I think it was, it could have gone either way. Obviously, the goalkeeper uh, saved a penalty, so so I think they'll be delighted with the three points. This was the one that that they were expected to trip up in, and they didn't. Um, so so fair play to them. Didn't have a lot of the ball, but but they saw the game out. And I think the longer the game went on, the less threat Charlton posed to them. Actually, so so yeah, well done to everybody. Obviously, Clark Harris. What a signing, really, in, in place of Ivan Tony. Scores all sorts of goals, you know, tap-ins, headers, outside the box. When I saw him in the flesh, he scored a free kick. Like, he, he, he's he got he's got a big old toolbox in his locker. So, so yeah, he's, he's a quality player. And, um, and, yeah, Operation Vengeance. It looks like it's going to pay off for the posh, doesn't it? And, and it'll be a fourth promotion for Darren Ferguson as well. Just because we've got the... Uh... The penalty maestro with us today. 
I looked at Jaden Stockley's record. He missed the, the missed the pen. He's only taken four in his career. The last one was in December 2018, which he also missed. So having been a reluctant penalty taker myself, that stunk of someone who didn't want to take that penalty <laughs> and probably stepped up. Uh, I think Washington has been the regular one, but wasn't playing. So it just felt like he's been in form. I'll take it, lads. And uh, obviously he telegraphed a little bit where it was going to go and the keeper made a good save. Is that what happened with, with Akin Fenwell last week, Joe? Do you know what? I've, I've said to the boys over the over the years that when I've been here, sometimes players come up to you and they know that I'm the penalty taker, but will say, you know what, I really want it, I'm confident. And I'll be like, yeah, great, take it. Uh, like, you know, if they really want it that badly, uh, they've got the confidence, I, I really believe that they're going to score. And, and Bale was like that in midweek and, you know, it, it went in. He's got a great penalty record as it is as well there's there's one or two that I won't mention I probably wouldn't let take but um you know for for the majority of people if they came to me and, and asked for it then it shows they've got the confidence and for Jaden Stockley to step up um I don't know whether at one point there was a discussion of who was going to take it but if he's going to step up then he must have been confident in himself but like you said I think I could have read where he was going before he'd even started running up um <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't the greatest penalty and, and also when when there's pressure on on that situation for Charlton as well, needing needing that goal for their playoff ambitions, then um, it adds to the kind of um, decision making in your mind of what you're going to do. So um, it's never easy, and and unfortunately for him, he he missed that that crucial time. Yeah, Charlton outside the playoff places uh, as a result of this first defeat under Nigel Atkins. They do have games in hand on Pompey and Oxford above them, and they got Crew at home on Tuesday, which looks like a decent opportunity to bounce back. Well, only goal difference is keeping Portsmouth out of the playoff places after they earned a 1-0 win against Bristol Rovers at Fratton Park, a result which sees Rovers finally run out of gas, i.e. get relegated. Uh, here's Josh, who's tweeted at the Totally Show, to ask, after Joey Barton labelled the whole Rovers squad a bunch of losers and threatened to clear out the lot of them if he can, where does the club go from here and should Joey be trusted to mastermind this rebuild? Clarky, I heard you on the wireless defending your boy Barton on Saturday. Yeah, I still I still think what he did at Fleetwood gives him gives him the right to to continue. It gives it, it should give Bristol Rovers fans belief that he's a decent manager. I think I think he built a really good team there, and and he's capable of doing it again at Bristol Rovers. But goodness me, how scathing is he of, of everything basically at the club? He's hammered all the players. He's hammered past managers. He's basically slaughtered. The, the the director of football Tommy Widrington in terms of his his recruitment and and how imbalanced the squad is that's Widrington's job to put that together so so look I think Barton might be the only one left I think everyone else might end up going and and he will build a brand new Bristol Rovers and look if I'm a Bristol Rovers fan looking at what's happened this season how much worse can it be if that happens. It's it's been a bad it's been a shocking campaign. Bristol Rovers shouldn't have been near the bottom of that that division. Clark Harris was never replaced, and uh, and that was that was criminal really. That in January particularly they had to get a goal scorer, and they didn't bother. And and that one has come back to bite them. So now I think Barton a little bit not like Grant McCann at Hull, but like yes he's taking them down, but I think he's more than capable of bringing them back up actually. Yeah, and as for Pompey, scruffy but but crucial win after four without doubleheader with Accrington and a trip to Wimbledon sandwiched in between for them as they try and make the top six. Yes, Adrian? Can I just say, before we move on from this game, 
that regular listeners might remember my love of the Portsmouth small squares on the pitch. Oh, the I hate of that. The grass. The cut of the grass is gorgeous, isn't it? And it's not just me. It's not just me. Danny Cowley quoted after the game. He says, I love it here. I love this ground. This sound might sound really stupid, he says, but I even like the little squares on the pitch. It just looks really green. See? <laughs> just, he talks so much sense, that man. Yeah, I would say I'm not sure that it's the, the squares that are affecting the brightness of the green, but um, anyway, each of their own. Now then, when Petula Clark first sang her hit Downtown back in 1965, she opined that the best way to cure loneliness was to head to a bustling metropolis. Sadly, the phrase downtown means something different in Swindon this week, Sam, after the Robins got gubbed at MK to confirm a swift return to League Two. Uh, it's just been a horrible season, Sam. I hate to make you, you relive uh, your impassioned speech on Quest on Saturday, but my goodness me, what an awful mess yet your old club are in. Yeah, I don't really know where to start, to be honest. Um, the game was a little bit irrelevant. Um, the stats guy on Quest actually whispered in my ear just before he went on, Will Griggs scored four goals in 27 games before today, and then he got four against Swindon, um, which I didn't put into my impassioned speech for, for, <laughs> for obvious reasons. It wasn't necessary, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was quite... Fitting, like I said, that MK Dons, it's not to everyone's taste the way that they play. I should have said that because, you know, it's a very unique style. And ironically, it's how Swindon were playing five years ago under Mark Cooper because Luke Williams is now, uh, Mark Cooper's then assistant is now the assistant at MK Dons with Russell Martin. So I thought that was quite odd because Swindon had a plan at that point in time and now they have anything but. It's just an absolute shambles. You know, a few weeks ago, Tom Broadbent, who's a centre-half, was coming on and playing up front, you know, with seven or eight games of the season to go, coming on for half an hour, trying to salvage points. I mean, it, it's been desperate. Defensively, they completely lost their back four, back five, if you include the goalkeeper, with serious injuries. That's the the only sympathy I have with them. But when that happens, go out and buy better players. You know, go out and spend a few quid. So they haven't done that. They haven't done that with the squad. They haven't done that with the manager. And they're left in League Two with a complete mess at boardroom level. And until that gets sorted out, how can the fans have any optimism? You know, that, that that's where we are right now. Until these court cases end, uh, they can appoint a new manager, they can start bringing in new players. The fans are just not interested. And it's a really sorry state of affairs because, again, like I said, Things were so great under Richie Wellens. You know, I went to a few games, away games, full allocation, banners, singing the players' names, you know, really sensing that Richie could probably get him into the championship. And he's obviously gone on and, and lost his job at Salford. So it's been a nightmare probably year for him and and for the club as a whole. So roll on August. That's all I can say, really. Yeah, Swindon Sport is going to take a leaf out of Public Enemies book. And fight the power. So they're down with Bristol Rovers. Uh, above the dotted line, Wimbledon, 19th, played 43, 49 points. Then it's Wigan, played 44, 48 points. Northampton and Rochdale look as though they're going to join Swindon and Bristol Rovers, 44 and 43 points, respectively. Adrian, do you see either of those two teams getting out of the, the soup they find themselves in? No, I, th- I think I think Wimbledon and, and Wigan seem to be in, in, in the right groove, don't they, to, to just about 
do enough. It, it's quite harsh, really, because they've, they've found a bit of form, Northampton and Rochdale. But missed opportunity, I think, for Rochdale at the weekend. Went to a crew team, nothing to play for, out of form. I thought they'd go there and win, but they couldn't couldn't get that goal, and and that might be them done now. But uh, yeah, on on Swindon, goodness me. I mean, I've I've looked at, I've watched back the Swindon goals in recent weeks. Those two centre halves, if they play next weekend, it's a sorry state of affairs because that they have been shocking. Absolutely yeah, I mean, sure. Anthony Anthony Grant's been playing centre half. Yeah. What feels like about half the season. The poor thing's a central midfield player. Exactly, um, he just looks looks lost, hmm. and 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 grounds next to him has, hasn't been much better. All I'm seeing is is no marking, and everyone just shrugging their shoulders and putting their arms in the air. I'm not seeing any actual defending. Um, really poor. But what I will say is, MK Dons can do that to you. They're that sort of team. Once they get get you, they can really tear you apart. They make the pitch big. Very good movement, obviously. And, and the stats back it up, actually. I looked at it. From 1-0 up, 16 wins, 1 draw, 1 loss. Best record in the division from the front. Reacting to setbacks is the issue for, for MK Dons. When they've gone behind, they've won 2 of 24. So that that's the area to work on. They need to sort of toughen up. But when they're, when they're in the ascendancy, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, expect more from them next season. Joe, just listening to, to that chat about the state of things at Swindon and, and Bristol Rovers, does, does it make you feel better that, that you're a club that, that feels so settled off the pitch and, and you seem like a, a bunch of mates as well as as well as well teammates? That that gives you a much better chance if it is going to be a, a promotion campaign rather than another championship one next season. Well, I think, like you said, those two clubs have both suffered from change of managers. Um, Swindon, you know, lost you know, 40 odd goals last season from their strike force as well. So it's ridiculously hard to replace that. And, and Bristol Rovers, I, I played there for a couple of years, so I know how big the club is. And for years, they've been, you know, desperate to kind of push out of League One into the championship. So for them to, to have this setback is is bitterly disappointed for them. And and like you said, it's, it's going to be a lot of change if, if the manager gets what he wants, really. Um, it's not as easy just to kind of put a squad together that's going to challenge, but the club's big enough to kind of um, gather that momentum back again. And if, if they do sign the right players, and I think they'll they'll be right up there next season. Um, but like you said, yeah, at Wickham, it's slightly different to kind of most teams where, you know, we've had the same players. The majority of the squad's been the same since League Two. We've obviously added quality along the way, but the amount of players that kind of get big moves and then come back on loan or, or end up signing two or three times for the club um, shows an awful lot about the atmosphere we've got at the place, the, the culture that the gaffer creates and things. And and it's not easy just to kind of turn that on and, and, and create that. It takes time, it takes years, it takes the right recruitment, not just of quality, but of the right personnel and the right um, characters as well. And and they've always said that um, at Wickham, the, the hardest thing is kind of getting through the door, being chosen as a person to to come and sign for this club is is the, the foremost in, in what they want to do. So um, I know a lot of other clubs want to kind of go that way, but it's just the manager being given time to, to build. And um, at the start, it wasn't easy for our gaffer to kind of, you know, do that and and he probably comes out and said that um if the club had the money to sack him they probably would have done in the first season but thankfully they didn't and now he sits as the second longest serving manager and and with two promotions behind him so um it's it's up for those clubs now to kind of get stability i think that's the big thing for them because they're huge clubs especially at league two level they're they're massive clubs and and shouldn't be in that division 
Let's get some League One odds then, please, Abby, courtesy of Paddy Power. Top six in the division and the relegation market, if you will. Yes, so let's go with relegation to begin with. That's where we ended. So it is Northampton and Rotherham, as we're suspecting, the favourites to go down to join Swindon and Bristol Rovers. Northampton, 1-50 to 50, and Rotherham, 1-9. to nine. Wigan, 5-1 to one. and Wimbledon, 14-1, to one, still just on that cusp of relegation. As for the top six finish, well, Sunderland, Lincoln are in them. Paddy Power thinking that Blackpool are the most likely at one to six and Portsmouth who outside of the top six at the moment on uh, on goal difference they are eight to 15 Charlton 75 and Oxford 15 to eight and to win the playoffs it is Sunderland who are still the favourites 15 to eight okay final stop as ever is League Two This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, look, a division in which there's still jeopardy at both ends. Uh, that said, Cheltenham are all but up, while Southend and Grimsby need miraculous events to stop them from slipping out of the EFL. Speaking of the Shrimpers, they want their owner out. More on that coming up. Uh, we're going to start there with Morecambe nil, Bolton 1. We said last week that this game might be a season definer for both. It was the visitors who were hot to trotters here. Bolton opening up a four-point gap on Morecambe with this victory. Uh, we've said it before this season, Sam. It's worth saying again, though, quite the turnaround for Bolton from from where they were at the start of the campaign and, and the running theme of the show. Stick with your manager and he might turn things around for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, he, was get, he was getting battered on this show, wasn't he? Ian Everett for probably the first three months of the season. But it came good. A time on the training ground. I think repetition. Probably the, the goals of Owen Doyle again have absolutely propelled them into the into the mix, the automatic mix, and probably quite relieved behind closed doors that the, the goals have come else from elsewhere in, in, in some of the recent games. And this was the first EFL goal for Ben Jackson at the, the weekend, who, who said that his first touch was actually supposed to go onto his left foot, which is his stronger side, weirdly, considering it went about six yards in infield. And then he was able to um, whip it in the corner. But... Very even game, despite having a numerical advantage, actually. I watched quite a fair portion of this one. It wasn't a, a brilliant game. Derek Adams felt that Morecambe should have taken something from it. But Bolton got the all-important goal and probably inspired by a load of Bolton fans turning up as well on the coast um, to cheer the coach or whatever they did. And I think Ian Everett used it to his advantage, saying to a few of his bigger players, you know, this is a big club that you've joined and... You will see it in time with a promotion and with the supporters back in. Bolton can be a force again and um, huge win. And expect them to do it. I think a win against um, Exeter, I think it is, on Saturday should do it for him. 17th win of the season by a single goal margin 
for Bolton. Haven't won a game by more than one goal since the 2nd of March. Joe, nerds like us love that kind of stat. Do they even register with players? Are you made aware of that kind of thing? Uh, not necessarily made aware, but we do know. We look at the stats ourselves and, and the games and, and you know, it's, it's so easily accessible nowadays that you've, you've got it all and the analysts will, will say stuff as well. Um, and in team meetings, we'll, we'll know about opposition if they have do well holding on to leads or, or when they go behind and things like that. So, yeah, we do know about it. And like you said there, you know, 1-0 wins in football, all managers will say it's the best the best result you can get. I know Mark Bonner as well at, um, at Cambridge came out a few weeks ago and, and said, I think they had 1-0 victories at Newport and somewhere else where they said that was the best victory they could ever wish for. So they are really important. I think um, as a defender, clean sheets are huge. And and those 1-0 wins, they kind of, they, they feel more special than a two or three nil win because it can kind of be easier. And um, if you've got a one nil win, then, you know, the back's against the wall for periods and, and Bolton, like you said, the start they had, I think a lot of teams were, were already writing them off, but um, I think that was due to the amount of players that they signed in the summer. I think it was in the late teens, how many they signed. So for them to be in a position, give credit to Ian Everett, huge amount of credit. And, you know, they've got the momentum now to, to keep going and, even next season, a team like Bolton Wanderers in League One is still a huge, huge club and, and they'll be wanting to go straight out of that division as well. So they're almost promoted, as are Cambridge, even after they lost 1-0 at home to Stevenage on Saturday. Thursday, Cambridge CEO Ian Mather said the champagne was on ice, so it still is now. Just a point needed from their last two games to go up, though. Lots of talk about pressure Clarky in this one. I wonder if maybe, though, the focus should be on, on your old club, Stevenage, and what Alex Ravel's done there uh, over the kind of second half of the season. It, it looked like it, it could be a troublesome campaign for them. It's going to be a pretty serene finish instead. Yeah, I mean, Alex Ravel has got to be regarded as one of the the, the best organisers of a team in the lower leagues. He's, his reputation, I'd imagine, is, is soaring because they, they're in a bit of a state second successive bad season looked in the offing and, and he's just tightened them up unbelievably. Organisation is excellent and and they're just difficult to break down. That, that's what happened to Cambridge. If you, you know, Stevenage, aggressive, good shape, win the second balls. It's basic football. But but if you're off it and Cambridge were off it on the day, then then that can scupper it for you, can't it? So, so it, it happens. I think Cambridge will still be fine. Mullin, 29 goals, Ironside, 14. They've, they've got two real goal scorers. I'm, I'm convinced they'll, they'll get the point. They only need a point, and I'm sure, I'm sure they'll do it. But this was a good, strong performance from Stevenage, and, and they are going to be tough to play against next year if they can keep this group together. Cheltenham 1, Colchester United 0. Who wants to party? Yes, the Duff man ready to party after Michael's men all but confirmed their promotion to League One. Connor Thomas bundling one in to see off a Colchester side who are almost assured of safety. An incredible tweet from John Palmer, who writes for the Western Daily Press, the League Paper and more. Uh, he wrote, Michael Duff and Grant McCann played together for Cheltenham Town and Northern Ireland. Duff is the godfather to McCann's eldest son, Bailey, and they both led their clubs to automatic promotion just about today with Holt securing an immediate return to the championship. Uh, Sam... You were across this game, Michael Duff, manager of the season in League Two? Uh, no, Mark Bonner for me. Just, just. But yeah, no, Michael Duff's done brilliantly over over two seasons now. And um, yeah, it, it's built on what he was as a player, I suppose. Organisation, defensive solidity, 
Um, obviously, the set pieces have played a huge part as well as they did again at the weekend and find a way to win games without having 25, 30 goal a season striker, which is another way to get you out of one of the bottom divisions. Um, they haven't had that. Uh, interestingly as well, much better when they don't have a, any of the ball, really. When the team that they're playing has a bit more possession, they invariably win. And this was flipped at the weekend because they had, I think, 53, 54% of the ball, but managed to find a way to win on, on this occasion. Against the Colchester side, who have got by far and away the worst away record in the division, but they've had 10 draws. So that says to me that they're quite good at going away from home and producing a performance like this, keeping it tight, shutting up shop. So yeah, Cheltenham did what they do. They they found a, a scrappy winner and they defend Leeds magnificently and, and rack up clean sheets like nobody's business. So they thoroughly deserve their place in, in League One next season. If they can add a little bit more attacking talent, I'm sure they can stabilise at that division as well. So that's the top end. Meanwhile, at the wrong end of League Two, South End Two, Leighton Orient One, uh, events off the pitch taking the headlines after protests against owner Ron Martin following his latest bizarre statement in midweek. Parky, the floor is yours. Rant away. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, I, I think Ron Martin's almost, I don't want to say hanging himself, but but some of these, some of these quotes that he's coming out with are, are just ridiculous, really making up these statements ad hoc incoherent really in the way that they're put together just I mean Stan Collymore did say and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Stan really if I'm honest but he did say that he's not a fit and proper owner and and and, and some of the things he's coming out with I, I would I would tend tend to agree I mean the statement said something about Mick McCarthy, he went off, off on a tangent about nearly appointing Mick McCarthy when he left the Republic of Ireland job, which is just weird. Like, as if Mick McCarthy was ever going to rock up at Roots Hall anyway. So, so, yeah, look, it's all going on. We had Phil Brown take the players out to meet the protesting fans before kickoff, which, you know, I don't mind that. It's it, it Nice throwback to the whole team talk at Man City, yeah, that, I don't thought. Don't mind that. It Classic can, Brown. He's, looked, <laughs> he's made them look into the eyes of the supporters, hasn't he? And, and, and that means something and it obviously worked because they put in a decent performance you've got Colin Moore behind the scenes desperate to to throw his hat into the ring and get some uh, expertise into the building bring in some finance through contacts he knows I, I don't know why Stan's getting involved hopefully his intentions are, are, are coming from the right place I'm sure they are but yeah it's just a mess of a club unfortunately but but thankfully the players did okay at the weekend it comes down to strikers so often and 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 Southend just haven't had one this season. And um, yeah, you look at the players that have left. Humphreys went to Rochdale, Kilman to QPR, Theo Robinson to Port Vale. Early in 2020, they let Simon Cox go to Australia. Sold Tom Hopper to Lincoln. They, if they just kept half of those guys, they'd have had enough goals to to stay in the league. Got rid of everybody, and they don't have a striker. And 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 for me, that's one of the reasons. Why they're why they're likely to go down now? It's it's really sad. I'm I'm absolutely gutted. Clarky, if um if Stan Collymore could be registered for the final two games, <laughs> would you register him and give him a few minutes? I played against him in a charity game the other day, uh, the other year, and he absolutely beasted me off the ball and whipped one in the top corner. Has he still got it? Is he? Yeah. Oh mate, either foot as well. <laughs> he might be the best player the South End have ever had. He was unbelievable. He really was. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, at the Greg Halford. He led the line at the weekend and he'd retired. 
a couple of years ago and he's come out of retirement to play. So so why if he can do it, maybe Stan. Yeah, good shout. <laughs> Brilliant at Forest too. Not so good in Basic Instinct too. I would um I would opine. Uh, now then, the problem with recording a pod on a Monday ahead of games on Tuesday is that lots of what we say could be rendered largely irrelevant in little more than 24 hours. Uh, in that spirit, we bring you Oldham 1, Grimsby 2, Mariners reeling in troops, uh, etc. That's their Grimsby six points adrift with three games left and a massively inferior goal difference. They go all the way to Exeter on Tuesday, needing to win to maintain survival hope. So Jay Matete with the goal here, brilliant individual goal. Uh, and then the team bus left without him because he was doing post-match media duties. Um, Joe, jo, have you ever had to walk home? <laughs> no, but that has happened to me before where my parents came to a game. So it was actually away at Wickham when I was playing for Accrington. And I remember... Um, talking to him in the car park and seeing the coach disappear down the road so I had to call the gaffer and tell him to just hold on a minute I'm coming back with you but um luckily they didn't get too far and I was able to come back on but um yeah I saw that goal great great goal and and um you know it's looking a bit um you know not the best situation for Grimsby at the minute again changing managers and, and not quite happening this season and you know, he may be a spark that if they can keep hold of him to fire him back into the league. But um, they, they had it a couple of years ago with Dembele as well, who is a super talent and, and has gone on to Peterborough, done really well and will probably kick on again. So if they can keep producing some of these young young talents, then um, that's that's good news for their future. When you caught up with the coach, did the coach driver do that classic thing of like, just as you were going to open the door, he pulls away a little <laughs> bit more and all the lads go, way and on and on and on. Uh, unfortunately not no I'd have had a bit more respect for him if he did do that but no he missed he missed out on a simple one there uh, right the athletic EFL heavy uh, which is what we like there's a piece there all about Walsall and their flirtation with relegation and the impact of Covid on the club so go and check that out uh, Abby presumably the relegation market in League 2 doesn't hold much appeal it doesn't exist punters. I'm afraid <laughs> right what about promotion then according to Paddy Power um, according to Paddy Power the promoted teams well Cheltenham and Cambridge they're not up officially but on Paddy Power they are up so no no odds on them Bolton 1-20 to 20 are the favourites though that win against Morecambe so significant Tramir though more favourite than uh, Morecambe 2-1 to one. Morecambe 5-2 to two. Forest Green 10-3 to three. Salford 9-2 and Newport also at 9-2 as for the winner of the whole league it is Cheltenham now who are the favourites 2-9 to nine. odds on to win that Cambridge coming in at 4-1 to one. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. BeGamblerware.org. And when the fun stops, it's not. That'll just about do it for today. Before we go, though, we've seen plenty of celebratory scenes this weekend as promotion parties begin in earnest. I want to know, what's your must-have promotion celebration accessory? Cigars, champagne bottles covered in sponsors' logos, inflatable bananas, a whimsical hat, that kind of thing. Um, Sam, I've seen some great pictures of you with a whimsical hat on when Luton won the uh, EFL trophy. Is that your pick? Um, yeah, I wore the straw hat, I think it was, uh, when Luton won that, that game at Wembley. But I've always been a tie round head merchant. So hopefully we'd be in suits and it would be on lively on the coach during the uh, the intake of a few beers. And it would be on for the duration of the party um, onto the dance floor. So, yeah, definitely a tie round head man. Got to say, I'm disappointed that we didn't see that at producer Abby's wedding, but um, never mind. Too busy Clarky, win- what- winning the Kaylee, wasn't I? If that's the thing, <laughs> it's true, it's a true story. <laughs> 
Joe, what did you do last season? You must have uh, kept some some keepsakes from from Wembley, and, and you know, I imagine you've got a bottle of champagne, an empty bottle down in the downstairs loo on display, something like that. Um, do you know what? What was I felt thought was funny after our game was that we went back to the stadium later on, and we actually got kicked out of Wembley because we were just you know enjoying ourselves a bit too much there. And in the end, the security were like, "Right, guys, you got to go." Um, get back to the stadium, had a few drinks. Half the boys are still in their match kit, shin pads on. This could have been at midnight with all their kit on. And um, I remember the next morning I stayed at, at one of the boys' houses in, you know, local to, to the training ground, walking back in my full tracksuit from the from the game and people stopping you in their cars and on the street and stuff and saying, well done. And it was, um, yeah, it was good fun. Apart from that, a few years ago when we got promoted, there's a guy at Wickham with a drum every game home and away and, he gave me the drum, so I went on the pitch with the boys and started banging it away. I had no rhythm, no nothing about me with it, but just to make a bit of noise, it was that was quite funny. <laughs> Clarky, what about you? I'm imagining you holding an inflatable banana with glee. <laughs> well, you got to win something first. I can't remember the last time I won anything. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but we were all thinking it. <laughs> Look, it's not quite the same when you win the Kent Senior Cup. You know, you, you, there's not that many ties around your heads then. Um, no, I don't know. I reckon I could, I could, I would have been, if I'd have uh, won a promotion or a, or a major final, I'd have stayed in kit. And I might have even have had a tie around head. I would definitely have drunk champagne out of the trophy. I think that that's something I've always done. From the age of about eight, when, when I won my first first piece of silverware, get the old uh, get the old um, bubbles in there and, and and knock it back. So so yeah, that that's got to be done, hasn't it? Yeah. Shout out also to to anyone who who's going to go retro this season and and take the lid off a trophy and put it on their head in place of a hat. <laughs> Big in the late eighties, early nineties, seems to have died out in recent years, and that's a shame. Um, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on. Do come back on soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. Uh, Sam, Adrian, you are contractually bound to come back on soon, <laughs> specifically uh, next Monday. Abby will be back with George and Ali for extra time on Thursday. We'll catch up same time next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.